Let me ask you guys. Politically, socially, economically, and morally, what is going right in this country? Yeah, what's going right? How do you throw your voice like this? This is weird. You're sitting right here. (laughs) (laughs) I can throw my voice. So what's going right? Anybody? Is there anything? Prophecy is going right. No, I only said politically, socially, economically, and morally. You guys can't think of one thing. Do you have a pen? Do you have a pen, please? No, they only dismissed one charge. Okay, that's a bright spot. That's one. Now, you guys familiar with that, what happened? The guy who is recording the Planned Parenthood dissection of... I'm going to try to keep this light. Fetuses. Um, He actually got it on video. The grand jury met and did not indict anybody in Planned Parenthood, but indicted the guy who took the video. Yeah. And they raided his house, took his files... Okay, so we got one thing. One thing is going right politically, socially, economically, and morally. Okay, I I wanted a pen because I want to write these down. What's going wrong in those areas? Division. Okay. What else? Who's saying that? <laughs> I'm hearing you over here. I'm sorry. Which? I thought if you could do it, I could do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said our freedoms are being taken right now. Freedoms eroded. Okay, what else? Uh, just, I mean, the government, just the secrecy overall with when they first initially, initially released the 9-11 transcripts, they redacted anything that had to do with Islam or Allah. And then tonight, no, I missed that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, Star Parker and Michelle Malcolm uncovered this because the press isn't covering it. But there was there's uh, refugees in Twin Falls, Idaho, and a five-year-old little girl was taken, abused by like 10 and 11-year-olds, and the city council and the police were trying to cover it up to keep from exposing the refugees and what was going on. By the way, I saw a map today of the United States that shows how many crimes have been committed uh, by immigrants. And it, there's hundreds and hundreds of them, and they're located in the immigrant communities and those coming out of those communities, specifically uh, Syrian refugees. So I guess really just our politicians are becoming more corrupt boldly. Yeah. It's not as Okay, I'll just call that secrecy and clandestine 
clandestine operations by the government. What else? What's going wrong? I mean, if you could change something in the country, what would you change? The presidency for once. <laughs> Mandy. Decorum. Yeah. <laughs> I read it. By the way, with that, Mandy, uh, was it Flag Day a few weeks ago? There was, it was. And there was a, a retired gentleman from the Army that was called upon to recite a few things. It's a... Uh, uh, ceremony that they go through and he mentioned God he mentioned the old stuff and the Pentagon said in 2005 you're to take out all mention from God during flag day and he did and the military took him away and would not let him continue to speak because he mentioned God you so, remember what Michelle Obama said a couple years back? yes I do I saw the video yeah. we won't repeat that because <laughs> yes Okay, now all of these things that are going wrong, how do you know that they're wrong? Do what? Okay, so that's your opinion, right? Okay, would you agree with that? I would agree. There is no moral compass, and that's how we know it's wrong. We want to make sure we're not using our own opinions. And when it comes to the election that's coming up, I thought, and I've done this uh, once or twice before, I thought I would talk about the politics and the professing Christian, what we're supposed to do. Are we, the first two things I have here is, are we supposed to vote? Should you vote, Right. And should you be involved politically, specifically, uh, why we need to be involved in the political process and also present a biblical framework for making proper choices in casting a vote. Now, uh, there are all of us, we have our own opinions of what's right and wrong, but we should be involved, I'm going to tell you up front, we should be involved in casting a vote and getting out there and influencing the society in general. If we don't do that, as Christians, we know that there's going to be a degradation in society. It's just going to kind of slide downhill. But to give you a biblical background on this, the idea of uh, voting in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, do you know what kind of government was set up specifically in the Old Testament? You know what the name of it was? Yeah. I'm sorry? No, it wasn't a republic. Eric, you had it. A theocracy. A theocracy is where God is in charge. He's the one that sets the stage. He told Moses what was supposed to happen. Moses went to the elders and the priests. They interceded for the people, the priests did, and the elders instructed the people and judged the people. There was also this group called the Sanhedrin, and if you had a difficult case to adjudicate they would take you before the Sanhedrin and they would decide the case the most difficult cases would go all the way back up to Moses and he would decide those and as somebody who was part of the people of Israel you complied 
if you didn't comply, you were kicked out of the fellowship of the Israelites. You were excommunicated, so to speak. You were not allowed to continue on the inside if you didn't submit. So as a theocracy in the Old Testament, there was a limited appeal process, and you certainly did not have a vote. You couldn't vote to do something unless you were on the Sanhedrin. Then you could vote in the adjudication of cases. In the New Testament, do you guys know what kind of governments existed specifically with Israel and concerning Israel from the outside? A little history test there. <laughs> it was. Well, you had the Romans, and they had a democracy is what they had. They had the Senate, and they would vote on things, right? And then they, later they had the Caesar, and he became king is what happened. But, and, and there was a voting process, but you couldn't vote unless you were part of the aristocracy, like being a landowner or you were in the Senate, then you have the ability to vote. But if you were a woman or if you were a slave, you were not allowed to vote. And specifically the Jews, they were under the care of the Romans. Now the Jews had their own ways of taking care of things, namely the Sanhedrin, of which Paul uh, sought to be a member of the Sanhedrin. And Paul could vote, which I'll point out later. He was one that could vote, but under the Roman rule, nobody had a vote. You had to submit to the governing authorities that were there. Now, in modern-day America, we are an exception to the rule. People have been arguing about this exceptionalism. Exceptionalism in the United States is, it, it comes in the form of the people give the power to the rulers to allow them to govern over the people. If the people don't like it, then the govern, those who govern are kicked out. That's what's called a representative republic, and that's why it's exceptional. It has never taken place throughout the history of the world that this is how it's done. People misconstrue that and think that we are saying when we're exceptional that we're smarter, we're stronger, we're you fill in the blank, that we are superior in all ways to the rest of the world, and that's not what's being talked about at all. And so this idea of governments... Has God set up the governments? It does. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Just to make sure we're on track and we keep in line with what Scripture says because when it comes to politics and voting, it can be one of the most contentious issues to be brought up. Romans chapter 1. Somebody want to read Romans chapter 1. Or 13, verse 1. I'm sorry. Let everyone be subject to the government authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. You, know, you want to read to verse 7 on that, please? Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, Servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. 
Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to government. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Okay, so it's clear that God set up every kind of government that has ever existed. Now, are some of those governments bad? There are several... I have to go through this in order to give a foundation for what we're looking at as far as our country and why we should vote. The different kinds of governments and economies that have been set up have been like monarchies. A monarchy is where you have a king and the king rules. Uh, Somebody who thought himself to be a king that's no longer around was Hugo Chavez. Hugo Chavez was the dictator down in Venezuela. Uh, I was told when I was just down in that area, I was told by a guy that I was talking to that was from Venezuela that he used to be like a baron, that when he would eat, crumbs would fall away and he would allow the people to get the crumbs. But the guy who is there now, what's his name? The guy there now in Venezuela? Anybody know? I forget his name. Anyhow, he's not like a baron. He just keeps everything to himself. Now, I just saw yesterday pictures of riots, pictures of people waiting in front of the supermarkets for 24 hours, hopefully to get some food. If food arrives, there's no food in there now, but they're waiting for it to arrive there. If somebody takes pictures of these riots developing, they can be shot and killed on site. If somebody does not agree with what the military is doing, and the military has been called a bunch of thugs, they can be killed right there on the site. And so it's a despotic dictatorship is what it is right now. That's the way most of the world has been. We are unusual in that uh, vein. Then there is socialism and uh, communism and totalitarianism. There's a democracy, there's capitalism, there's a representative republic. Some of those are economic ways of governing. Some of those are just, you know, it's just the history of governance in our world. That's how it works. Now, with us, we have a representative republic. We don't have a democracy, right? A democracy is where everybody has one vote, and once you learn you can vote yourself some goodies, then the democracy fails, That's what they're trying to do with our representative republic. That's where we are. Now, that's just the background. I'm not going to go into much more detail than that, but that's the background. We have the ability to vote. Who gave us the ability to vote? Take a guess. God did. That's right, because he set up the government, right? He wanted this country to be developed in such a way that we would be the strongest the most powerful, the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. That's who we are. Do you think it might be that way in 50 years? Not the way it's going now. Not the way it's going now. It's going to be completely changed if we don't fulfill our responsibility. Now, why should I vote or why should any of us vote in a representative republic? Is it responsible or irresponsible? I don't want you to answer this to vote when you have the chance. And I want you to ponder that for a a minute. But I'm going to posit for you the idea that it is responsible. And number one reason, if you're taking notes, it's because it is good. If you have the chance to do good to someone, you should do it. Or for someone, you should do it. 
Now, to expand this a little bit, it is possible to bring blessings by voting. If we vote in the wise and the good rulers, it benefits the people. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 26 says, A wise king winnows out the wicked. He drives a threshing wheel over them. So if you have a wise king, he's going to take care of those people who are evil inside of the country. We have a wise president. The same thing is going to happen. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 4. Uh, it reads, By justice a king gives a country stability, but one who is greedy for bribes tears it down. Do you think that there's bribes going on? When was the last time you got paid $225,000 for a 20-minute speech? You did. Oh, that's... Yeah. <coughs> you know, so... Hillary did. Oh. You know that. Did she? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many places where you know... A graph, I think is what they call it, is being used. It, it's... Oh, yeah, he's in prison right now because of it. Is he? I heard somebody uh, talk about uh, Denny Hastert, who now is going yeah, to jail. But he was making $150,000 a year as Speaker of the House, and he settled a lawsuit for $6 million. Now, I don't know how you do that, making $150,000 a month, but there's certainly something going on. And, you know, he's on the Republican side. There's the Democrat side, Republican side. There's just... Yeah. Yeah, and he owns what half the state now, the land, something like that. Also, Proverbs twenty nine fourteen: If a king judges the poor with fairness, his throne will always be secure. James four seventeen: Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Uh, Galatians six ten: Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family. Of believers, So the first reason we vote is because it's a good thing in our country. God set it up. He gave us a responsibility. We should do good to those when you have the opportunity. It's pretty much a slam dunk as far as the scripture is concerned. Second reason that I believe we are to vote is we are to be the salt of the earth. Somebody want to turn to Matthew chapter 5 and someone else turn to John chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. Matthew, chapter 5, begins in verse 13 through 16. And John, chapter 3, uh, verse 20 and 21. Whoever wants to read that, just go ahead. Matthew 5, verse 13. Anyway. Okay, and also about being light, John chapter 3, verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives 
Okay, first of all, these two passages are not specifically talking about elections. All right? I just want to make sure that we're not taking something out of context. But this idea of being salt of the earth, salt is a preservative. Salt is flavorful. That is what we are supposed to be. In other words, we're supposed to be active. If we're carrying out our faith, if we are being good disciples, just by extension, we're going to be good citizens. If we're good citizens, we should be voting. That's how you arrive at that. And also light, when... The light of God is shed upon sin. The sin is exposed and people don't like it. In the political realm, when the sin is exposed in the political realm, they definitely don't like it. And there is arguing and bickering and wars going back and forth in the media and with the political candidates. And so, what's that? Sin, you said? Oh, yes. Yes. They're doing that today. And there's all kinds of shenanigans that go on with politics. And they play these games and this back, these backroom deals. Do you guys know what a whip is in Congress? Anybody know what the whip is? He's what? <laughs> He's the guy that carries thing, that thing around. He is the one... He's the one that is second in control, or second or third in control. I think it's number three. He goes around to everybody in the party, and he whips them into shape. He gets them behind the leadership and the votes. That's why they call him the whip, because he's the one that can make some deals, but he's also the one that can bring discipline if you don't fall in line. And so there's coercion that goes on inside of our governments to get you to vote the way that the leadership wants you to vote if you're in the Congress. I think the speaker has the ability to determine how many aides you can have, yeah. what office you will have. Right. All of this, so they start taking perks away or they don't let your bills hit the floor or yep. they penalize you. Yeah, they'll threaten you is what they do. And so that, that is even happening in our country. Uh, you might not think that, well, we're not, or you might think we're not as bad as a lot of these other countries, but we've got our own set of problems here. So if we're supposed to be the salt and the light, as Christians, we will end up being good citizens. It's like I've always said, if you're a good disciple, you will have a good marriage. It's not the other way around. If you're, you have a good marriage, you'll be a good disciple. It doesn't work that way. If you're a good disciple, you'll have a good marriage. If you're a good disciple, you'll be a good citizen. If you're a good citizen and more people are good citizens, if the gospel goes out and people get saved, then the country will be stable if we're all following Christ. That's the way it works. That's why it's more important not to convince somebody to become a a member of your political party, it's more important to get them saved and then everything else just takes care of itself. That's the way that it's supposed to work. So first, it is good. Second, we are to be salt of the earth and light. Third, voting inhibits corruption. Of course, when this implied that when Christians vote, we have a chance to restrain evil and preserve the good. And we are all corrupt in our natures. We have a tendency to do evil, and it is necessary for others to assist in restraining evil. Now, with this, I'm going to illustrate. Maybe you have seen this. Have you guys seen the movie The Experimenter? No one has. It's 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 on Netflix. It's a fascinating, true story 
of this guy by the name of Stanley. What's his last name? Stanley Milgram. Stanley Milgram, in 1961, carried out an experiment. And this experiment was he would set up this box, and he, he was at Yale, and he was going to soon be tenured at Yale, and he set up this box, and this box had a number of switches going across. And then there were some lights on there, and there was an electric uh, gauge that showed how much voltage was going through. And what would happen is there would be an authoritarian person behind him, a person conducting the study. The individual who was being tested would be at a desk with this console in front of him, and then there would be a person that would be in the room behind the console that he could not see the individual. He was in another room, but he could hear him in there. And so what happened was he would give sets... You'll have to follow me on this. He'd give sets of words that had to be matched. So he'd tell him the sets of words, give him like three or four sets of words. Then the person in the other room would have to respond and match the words. What he would do is he'd give two words. Then in the test, he'd go, okay, this word matches, and he'd give him three choices. And he'd have to pick which one it was. It was a memory test. You guys understand that? So he gave him like three sets of two words each. Then he would go back to the first one and say, okay, now which one was it? And choose from these three words. If he got it wrong by pushing a light, then the guy at the console was told to shock him. And so what happened, this guy was hooked up with the shock machine and they put the person in the chair that was actually doing this and they gave him the mildest shock that was going to be given. And every time the person got it wrong, the shock level went up all the way to about 50. All right? And so by the time it got to about 10, the guy started screaming in the other room. Whenever the light would go on and he had hit the button which would activate a light in the other room, the guy in the other room was never really getting the shocks, but he would scream. And by the time it got to the end, he was yelling, please stop. And he was told, the person at the console was told that the individual in the room had a bad heart. And so... What they found out was that if there was an authoritarian figure behind him, most of the time the person would go through the whole run. He wouldn't stop torturing the guy in the other room. This was so controversial back in the 60s that they didn't give this guy tenure at Yale. They said, this cannot be true. Something has to be wrong with this. And this movie, The Experimenter, is about this guy's life and what he went through and how they've repeated this test over and over, and it comes true. And this is right after the prosecutions from World War II and the Nazis and all of that that was going on. And so we, given the right circumstances, can be incredibly evil and incredibly wicked. That's why it's necessary that we use our vote to restrain the evil. If somebody is being evil inside of the government, we have the power to get them out as the people, and we recognize this. What other government in the world, what other form of government has this besides a democracy or representative republic? Does anybody know? There isn't. How do they get rid of the guys who are evil? They shoot him, right? They shoot him, they kill him. Remember Gorbachev, you guys weren't alive when Gorbachev was in there, but the guy from Russia, he was afraid he was going to be killed, right, when he was overthrown. 
And so that's just the way it was uh, back then and still is in a lot of places throughout the world. Now, the, the fourth thing, Paul voted. Paul was a voting member of the Sanhedrin. It says in Acts chapter 26, verse 10, now his vote wasn't righteous or good in the eyes of God. It says, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem on the authority of the chief priests. I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them as a member of the Sanhedrin. So he had that power, and he exercised that power to vote, even though his voting was not used for good purposes. Okay, so this is the case that we have for voting. Now, I want to give you a scenario. In this scenario, you guys are being called upon, all right? The only choices are one Republican and one Democrat. I'm going to leave out the other parties which are out there just for the sake of the argument here. Both are for abortion. The Republican wants to reduce taxes. The Democrat wants to increase taxes. The Republican is against illegal immigration benefits. The Democrat is for them. The Republican wants to increase the size and pay for the military. The Democrat wants to cut. The Republican is against gay marriage. The Democrat is for gay marriage. The Democrat is favored to win. How do you vote or do you vote at all? Okay, that, that's not going to do. You're going to have to give me some reason, some moral reason why you would vote because we want the Bible to guide us. You don't just want to say, well, they're Republican, I've got to vote for them. Or if somebody who says they're Democrat, I've got to vote for them, they're Democrat. Big D or big R, you make your choice. Hold on, I said the Republican, both are for abortion. Yeah, both are for abortion, but everything else would seem to coincide with what is good, just, and fair. Yes, Mandy. Wait, is that kind of a generalized statement, or this is just a particular candidate? Well, you know, there's a candidate that comes really close to matching this, and I'll tell you who that is afterwards. So let me read it again just so that you get it. The only choices are, in this scenario, one Republican and one Democrat, and both are for abortion. The Republican wants to reduce taxes. The Democrat wants to increase them. The Republican is against illegal immigration benefits. The Democrat is for them. The Republican wants to increase the size and pay of military. The Democrats want to cut. Uh, the Republican is against gay marriage. The Democrat is for gay marriage. The Democrat is favored to win. How do you vote or do you vote at all? No, I'm not. No. Wait, hold on, Mandy. Just about every Christian I've ever met is against, is against 
Thou shalt not kill. I'll help you with that one. Murder actually is the phrase, not kill. Okay. Okay. Steve? Okay, um, there is a Christian leader, uh, used to be in Colorado Springs, said he would never vote for somebody who is for abortion, didn't care who they were, right? Now, if, if that's the case, will evil, in this particular scenario, will evil increase more if you don't vote, if the Democrat wins, or will it increase less? <clears throat> okay, it, back when Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor, he was for abortion. His opponent was Bustamante. I was for McClintock, but McClintock didn't make it. It was only between Governor Schwarzenegger and Bustamante. Who is worse, even though... Schwarzenegger was, well, I don't know if he turned out any better eventually, but at the time, who was worse? Was it Bustamante or was it Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, no, at the end, there's no question they were both bad. Going into it, you know, only based on what they tell right. you that, yes, Schwarzenegger would have been the best, better choice as far as who would advance evil. Yeah. So, Yeah, and so even in the Christian community... Now, I, I don't want to tell you who you should vote for or who you shouldn't. I, what I want to be able to do is help influence Christians on how we make decisions. If we do nothing... There is a famous quote by Edmund Burke. Edmund Burke said, All that is necessary... And I'm going to give it in my parlance. All that is necessary for evil to advance is for good men to do nothing. And so if we don't vote, we will certainly get what we fear. We will get that thing which is going to be more evil. But if we stand up, even if we can only make incremental strides, that seems to me to be the way that the Lord would have us act. Because he says in the world you're going to have tribulation, but if we just withdraw from the world, we are going to have even more tribulation. And who's going to be the target of that tribulation? By the way, who do they blame in the uh, shooting at the gay nightclub. Christians in the NRA. Christians in the NRA. Did they, either one, have anything to do with it? No. Not a single thing. And who was the perpetrator? A, a gay Muslim, right? And, and so you wonder what is going, how come they're changing the narrative of all this stuff? It's because evil is on the rise. And if evil is on the rise, it's our job as believers to oppose that. We don't live in a perfect society. I gave up a long time ago thinking we're going to get perfect candidates, and we're not going to get perfect candidates. By the way, just as a side note here before we go on, I heard today there is a rumor that at the uh, convention they're going to propose to have Walker and Cruz 
as a separate set of candidates to vote for instead of Trump, even though he's got the nomination. If if that happens, it's just going to be mayhem. It's going to be mayhem. It is going to be a difficult thing uh, for all of us to stomach. And, you know, we can't let our hearts drop on that. But let me continue. It only gets better. Let's see, where are we? <laughs> That's right. Okay, now, anyhow, we can restrain evil, and also the Apostle Paul voted, and I'm on page six here. Now, I want to present a biblical framework for voting on issues in individuals. And by the way, um, I want to quote a few secular people. This was written by somebody you'll recognize. Nobody will ever deprive the American people of the right to vote except the American people themselves. And the only way they could do this is by not voting. That was Franklin Roosevelt who said that. And so if we don't vote, we give up our rights. We're just kind of laying down if we choose to do that. Now, as far as a biblical framework for voting on issues in individuals, voting is a right that has been given to every American. However, as Christ followers, our votes should reflect our God. I couldn't have said it any better. That was given by a person. uh, Her name is Monica Johnson. And so our, our votes should reflect who Jesus Christ is. Now, can you give me an issue that uh, you would say Jesus would definitely not vote for that, or he'd vote against it? Abortion. Abortion. There's one. He'd vote against that. Give me another. Gay marriage. Gay marriage. He would vote against that too. What else? Anything else? I'm sorry. Yeah, I would say that it wouldn't be good not to support the people of Israel because they're God's chosen people, right? So there are several things that are out there. What about, do you think he would vote for or against higher taxation in order to assist the poor? You think he'd vote higher? No, as one of the things to support, to assist the poor. Okay, so you're saying it's not the government's job to take care of the poor, right? I want to also interject some history here. Do you think the founding fathers ever thought it was okay to take federal funds 
and give them for benevolent purposes. I'm going to read you some history. This is Thomas Jefferson, letter to Joseph Milligan. Now, I may have to uh, go back and explain some of the words here. We don't talk like this anymore. To take from one, because it is thought his own industry and that of his father's has acquired too much in order to spare others who or whose fathers have not exercised equal industry and skill is to violate arbitrarily the first principle of association, the guarantee to everyone the free exercise of his industry and the fruits acquired by it. Man wasn't greedy. What that means is, even if they're greedy, what he is saying here is you have no right to take money from those who have been industrious or their fathers who have been industrious and have saved up in order to give it to those who are not industrious. That's what Thomas Jefferson, the founder of one of the founders of the country, thought. Here's another one. That's not what Obama says. <laughs> Here's another one. A wise and frugal government shall restrain men from inquire, from injuring one another shall leave them otherwise free to regulate their own pursuits of industry and improvement and shall not take from the mouth of labor the bread it has earned. This is the sum of good government. That was also Thomas Jefferson on his first inaugural address. Also, he said, I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them. Have you guys ever heard that? Yeah, I'll have some to add on that. I want to give you one more quote. Congress has not unlimited powers to provide for the general welfare, but only those specifically enumerated. Now, all of those are Thomas Jefferson. In other words, he's saying, do not take money from the general fund. And he had some other uh, thoughts on this too, but do not take money from the general fund and give it to the poor. That's not the government's business. That's what the founding fathers taught. He is not the only one. You can find tons of quotes like this. Now, with that, the government, our government, I believe, has specifically been motivated to reduce your deduction in your taxes for what you give to the church. Right now, it's down to 20% on the dollar, 20 cents on the dollar. That if you give $100, only 20% is deductible on your taxes. And that has been brought down. Eventually, they want to get rid of that because they want the money. They've also put uh, an onerous burden on the church that if you give more than $250 at any one time, a separate receipt has to be written for that $250 gift. 
and you cannot just write one receipt at the end. And in order for you to deduct it from your taxes, of course, you have to have a receipt given by the church. Now, this is all designed to take away income from the church in order to tax it more and give it to the government because they, in our current mode, want to be the ones who dish out the goods. They want people reliant on the government for their subsistence and their welfare. You guys understand what's going on? controlling. Jesus Christ, was he ever into that? Can you think of a scenario where if somebody was industrious in Scripture, where somebody was industrious, that God blessed them even more, and those who were lazy, he judged them? Now, with that, we'll all agree God is talking about an investment in the kingdom. He's talking about investing in us and putting fruit or seeds into your life and having them grow and produce fruit, right? So, in other words, if God has given you gifts, if he's given you the gift of teaching or service or whatever, you're to put that into action and give God a return on his investment in you. But he used an economic model in order to do it. He said that if I give you 10 talents or 10 minas and you invest that and you return 10 minas on top of that, which means you have a total of 20 when it's all done, God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the one who invests or is given five, if he returns 100%, he gets another five. God blessed that individual for doing that. But the one who took the one mina and he buried it because he feared God and he gave no return. That would be like the person who goes to church and does not invest in the kingdom, does not use their gifts. God is going to take away even what he has and he's going to judge the individual. So in other words, we don't want to go too far in saying that Jesus would not vote in order to help the poor. The poor are supposed to be helped by the individual or by the church. The government is not to be the one to do that. That has never been the case throughout history unless there's been some special edict that has been written. It's the idea that we are the ones responsible and the government wants to take that away. So would Jesus vote necessarily to tax everyone to take care of the poor or would he say, no, you do it? Which one would he say? He would say, you do it. He wants us to be involved in doing that. Okay, so this is giving us a guideline of how to vote, so to speak. Now, I need to make sure I'm on the right page here.
we have what we have today because we got the way God Well, and that's been the problem that the church kind of hangs back. Now, I'm not going to name the group, but I just heard, my wife told me, I'm going to have to go check it out firsthand. She told it to me and the way that I received it is secondhand, but I think she got it firsthand. There is a group, a Christian musical group, that is coming out in favor of the gays. A very popular uh, music. Do you know who it is, Eric? Okay, I haven't established it yet, and so I have to go back and do it. But if that's the case, and you would know the name of the group, but if that's the case, I mean, we're blowing it as a church. And I'm not saying we are blowing it, but as the church universal, we're blowing it if we're doing that instead of bringing them in and say, Christ has a solution for you, and everybody suffers underneath this. You know, if, if we are sinners, we are given to kleptomania, which is thievery, or we're given to slander, or we're given to uh, being gay, or whatever it is, we're all under the same curse. And God says, I'll help you with that. But for us to just give up the territory... That is shameful behavior for us. And I think we lose reward in that. And God wants to reward us when we eventually get to heaven. And concerning voting and being a good citizen and all, that is part of the reward that we will receive. Now, a couple of other moral issues that you may not think are moral issues. What do you think about confiscatory taxing? In other words, taxing more and more and more of what you make. Do you think that God would be in favor of that or he would be against that? Any biblical stories that God said, this would not be good if they taxed you a lot more. Can you think of, I can think of two specifically and I wrote them down, but can you think of any biblical stories where it was basically given as counsel do not do this because the taxes will go up and it will be bad. Now, you may not, it may not come to mind. I'm, ju- I'm just asking to see if you guys might remember. Zacchaeus. Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, right? He certainly was. Well, the first one, and I'm, I'm just going to... Solomon? Yes, that's it. That's one of them. Rehoboam. Uh, describe what Rehoboam did. That was in 1 Kings chapter 12. I'm going to read it. In verse 10, it says, The young men who had grown, and it was the young men who counseled them to tax them more. He says, Tell these people who have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. In so other words, he was going to raise taxes on the people. And he was told by the wise men of his father, 
don't do this. Don't raise the taxes high because it will not bode well for the people or for Rehoboam. What happened as a result of that? Split the kingdom. Jeroboam to the north and Rehoboam to the south. Only two tribes to the south. The other ten were to the north. The north got involved in idolatry. There was never a king that ruled righteously up in the northern kingdom. I think only two were righteous kings in the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, and to the north it was Israel. So it was bad news all the way around to raise the taxes up. Can you guys think of another example where God said, it's not going to be good if the taxes are going to be raised because of what you want to do. I wouldn't do it. Can you guys think? Saul. It was King Saul. The people were crying out for a king. And Samuel said, this is not going to be good if you get a king. And the reasons he said it was not going to be good is because he was going to raise taxes. He said in verse 13 of 1 Samuel chapter 8, he will take your daughters to be the perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants, your maidservants, your men servants, and the best of your cattle and donkeys. He will take for his own use and he will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. Are you guys a slave to the government? What... What happens if you don't pay your taxes? <laughs> they will take it from you. They, they will. They'll just come and take it, and they have the power to do it. And, and so this idea of just the moral issues, confiscatory taxation, morally, it's talked against in the Bible. Don't raise the taxes too high. If you see an issue to raise taxes, you should not raise taxes, right, based on the Bible, Unless it's something that's necessary. If there was a war and we were going to lose the war unless we were taxed more, I'm all for it. Raise the taxes. I'm willing to sacrifice anything. That's what they did in World War II. Yes, Mindy. What if it's something like to help schools? Now, see, that's a controversy all by itself. Who originally started education in the country? Do you know? The church did. Who took it? The government took it. Where do you think education should be centered? In right, in the home, especially Christian homes. It was the Christians who came up with the primer. You guys, if you've never heard of the primer, the Christian primer. Yeah, the Puritans did that. It's this little book, and you can look it up online, but it was scripture. Do you know what it is? You know. You, you have one, right? And so the Christians were the ones who said, we've got to educate our kids. And the government came in and they saw how they could kind of move the people in the direction they wanted them to move. Now, I told you guys this from the pulpit not too long ago, but uh, my daughter who is in seventh, my granddaughter who is in seventh grade, she's being taught about Islam. And I showed up with my daughter and a friend to talk to the teacher and the principal in San Alejo, elementary or uh, middle school and we actually had a meeting and the teacher said she was a christian when i got to the section in the book where it told you how to be a devout member of the islamic faith a muslim said you follow the pillars you say this particular prayer there is no other god besides allah and allah and i forget how it goes 
But if you say all these things, then you'll be a good Muslim. And you have to keep Ramadan and a few other things. And I asked the teacher, and the teacher said, she's a Christian. And I asked the teacher, are you going to tell the students how to become a Christian? And all she could say was, well, we're going to talk about Martin Luther and faith. I said, yeah, but are you going to tell them how to become a Christian? They said, no. And I said, do you see the dichotomy here that you are willing to tell kids how to become members of the Islamic faith? I said, are you going to tell them everything bad that has happened for the last 1,400 years? Not in my stomach as you're talking. Oh, in... <laughs> They would not tell them of what the Muslims have done and how they've taken over whole sections of northern Africa and Europe and they've been a a race bent on war uh, or a religion bent on war. I said, are you going to tell them about all that? They said, no, because we might offend some of the Muslim students in the class. And, you know, I I just knew I wasn't going to get anywhere. And so the curriculum is being directed on purpose in the public schools and it's just getting worse and worse and worse so to respond to what you said would I be okay with taxes being raised to support the schools no I wouldn't now I'm going to tell you something my mom she grew up as a Christian Uh, she kind of fell away as uh, she got older but when I started to vote at age 18 she gave me some advice she said I always vote no on all the bond measures which is increase in taxes. And uh, she said, on the candidates, always see who endorses them. And that's a good rule of thumb because everybody who wants more money, do we, are we taxed enough? Is there enough money in the government to do what we should? Several times over, there is. And so that's, that's just my personal opinion. You won't go to the Bible and find Jesus said, vote against all bond measures. You won't find that, okay? But it it seems to be filled with a little bit of wisdom. What my mother gave me is like, do they actually need more money? Or a lot of times, even in San Diego, they'll take the money and they'll spend it on something else other than what it's supposed to be earmarked for. They're the propaganda broadcasting system. Yeah, but I was, they exposed yeah. us because it was San Ysidro, Santee, Vista, San Diego School District, there's seven school districts in the county that did this, just that Santee 
had the highest payback of $16.57 to every dollar borrowed. Yeah, now, <clears throat> I want to make sure that it, when we go away from here tonight, this really isn't a discussion about politics. That's not what this is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about our discipleship. Are we being good disciples? Are we following what Scripture has to say? Are we taking the principles that are there and having it govern our lives? Are we being those good citizens? If God set up this form of government where we can vote, and it's, is it considered bad to vote by anybody in any political party? No. Everybody wants you to vote, right? It, it, that is one thing that can unify all of us. It's good to vote. And so if it's good to vote and you're being a good citizen for doing so, be a good citizen in your voting process. That's the purpose. And the purpose will eventually come out if we're doing our job. It will come out to benefit society as a whole. And that's where God wants us to be salt and light to everyone who is around us. So we don't want to get too far down the road. Like, for instance, as a pastor, I'm not allowed to say who I would endorse and who I would speak against because I've lost my First Amendment rights according to the government. That is one thing they have taken away from me. If you ask me privately, I am more than happy to tell you privately who I will vote for. And by the way, there are organizations that they want you to preach and teach who you would vote for on a particular Sunday, that's right before um, Super Tuesday, and they will defend you. They will go to court, and they will defend you all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, I'm not interested in doing that. Nice one. I'm not interested in doing that and going all through the court process, you know. But uh, it's this idea that we are good citizens, we are good disciples, we are taking care to know the issues that are out there. So do you guys have any... So if you're going to write down a few more things, like if if you're going to say, okay, what are some just basic guidelines? If I'm going to look at some propositions or some candidates, what am I supposed to do? First, is it moral? Is it just? Uh, Well, I'll just say, is it moral? Is, Is the thing that I'm voting for, does it line up with Scripture and morality in Scripture? Everybody has their own morality, but we want God's morality. Our morality doesn't make a hill of beans. It it doesn't matter. It is insignificant. We want to make sure we are maintaining God's morality. Then also, is it fair? Does it uh, uh, help some group over another group because we want equality? And does that group need to be helped? Um, Like, for instance, uh, I'm going to go back in history. (sighs) Remember reparations? Reparations were given to those people who were incarcerated uh, during the Second World War who were of Japanese descent, and they lost everything that they had. The government did this. Do I believe it was okay to pay back those individuals who were incarcerated because of what they lost and the government was responsible? Yes, I think it was okay to do that. Do I think it's okay to pay back every single black American because we had slavery 200 years ago? I do not think that that's okay, this idea of reparations. Uh, do I think it's okay to pay back the uh, 
Native American uh, tribes because we uh, did a disservice to them when they get the casinos on there. And not all of them have casinos. I get that. Is it okay to do that? That was hundreds of years ago. We did not have a part in that. The World War II was not that long ago. You know, so you have to ask yourself, is it fair to tax those who have been industrious to give money to those who are not industrious because they just want the money? Is it okay to tax you to give out free phones to people who are not willing to pay for their own phones? Okay, you see what I'm getting at here? It's the idea, is it fair? And it, Scripture talks about that. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3, for acquiring a disciplined and proven life, doing what is right and just and fair. And also, uh, does it lend itself to freedom? Is it going to allow people to be more free or less free? So those are some of the guidelines. Is it uh, moral? Is it fair? Is it giving itself to freedom? Or is it just? Is it something that is just? Those things will guide you. And if I had to whittle it down even more, I would say... If you're going to choose a candidate or an issue, and remember there's no perfect issue or candidate to vote on, reduce as much as possible the encroachment of evil as defined by God. And secondly, vote for issues and individuals that promote freedom. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Okay? So any questions about the voting? Yes, Steve. You're voting for a sinner. You're voting for a sinner. We're always going to vote for a sinner. Yeah, we are. So vote against the evil one. Well, you... Yeah, there's going to be somebody that... You know, here, I'm going to let you guys judge. I have something else here. We know who the two candidates are going to be, right? Now, I can neither... Yeah, maybe. I can neither endorse or, what's the other word besides endorse? Deny my endorsement to a candidate, right? I'm just going to tell you what they say they're for. This is their plank, so to speak, of the planks and what they stand for. This one is Hillary Clinton, okay? She is for... This is on issues you care about. This is what it says. Where Hillary Clinton stands on issues you care about. Health care. Hillary has praised the basic tenets of the Affordable Care Act, including items specific to women, such as coverage for people with pre-existing conditions and for birth control. Second, she's for abortion. Pro-abortion rights and recently opposed a measure passed by the House of Representatives to ban abortion after 20 weeks. In other words, she wants abortion all the way up to the end. LGBT writes, Hillary supports gay marriage personally and as a matter of policy and law. Maternity leave, while Hillary hasn't been specific on how she would change maternity leave, she has said that it should be federally guaranteed. Education, Hillary has advocated for expansion, access to pre-K and has been supportive of National Common Core education standards. Gun control. 
Hillary supports stricter access to guns and has expressed disappointment in Congress for failing to pass a measure to strengthen background checks for gun purchasers after the Sandy Hook school shooting. So that's what she's for. Now, on each one of these, you have to decide, is it morally correct? Is it right? Is it just? Is it fair? Does it lend itself to freedom? Or is it just the opposite on all those things? (laughs) Trump. I'm just going to say U.S.-China trade reform, veterans administration reforms, tax reform, Second Amendment rights, which is the gun rights, immigration reform. You know that he is not for the immigration the way it is now. Uh, Pay for the wall. He wants Mexico to pay for the wall. And health care reform. So those are the things here he is for. Now, there's much more to those, but that's what he's for. And so you have to decide. about abortion and gay? He used to be for abortion, but he changed his mind. He moderated his view just like Ronald Reagan is what he says on his official website. Gay marriage, he has been flip-flopping. I don't know where he is. See, that's where the abortion thing, like we were talking in the beginning, I could have changed the abortion to gay marriage. That The two candidates are for gay marriage. Which one will promote less freedom and which one will promote more freedom? Which one will restrict morality? Which one will enlarge immorality? Or I should say, which one would be for moral stands and which one would um, be for more immorality? And so that's how you have to judge it. No matter who you're looking at, whether it's the state, whether it's the local, uh, I find that the judges are the hardest to find out information on, and they sometimes have the most influence out of anybody that is out there. And I've always ended up finding who uh, appointed them, who gave them their job, and uh, how they have ruled on cases. That's usually how I do that, to see if they're moral, if they're fair. Yeah, that's the hardest one. There are a couple of groups coming out now to do that. Now, most of us are 18 in here. I would say it's good citizens. We need to be voting. If you're not registered to vote, get in there and vote. And I would tell the whole church this too. But I saved this one especially for you guys. Any other questions on this? Yes, Mandy. John 3. What was I referring to? Could you move your chair a little? Joseph, move your chair. You got it? Okay. Other questions? Oh, is there a verse um, that talks about... Uh, how the, it's the church's responsibility to take care of the poor. Do you know if there's a verse for that? Yeah, the sheep and the goats, parable of the sheep and the goats. Uh, Those people who are poor, those people who are in prison, uh, if they were not taken care of, God is going to judge. There's so much about the poor. I mean, that's one of his pet projects is the poor. Uh, I would say if there's one verse, there's a hundred verses that deal with it, that deal with the poor. And so uh, if we neglect the poor, God will consider us goats. If we don't take care of them, goats are judged. <laughs> they're they're cast out of the kingdom, so to speak. They don't get entry. Yes, that's why we have jobs. Thessalonians, I think. So, 
Any other questions, Mandy? No? Okay. Anyone else? We're all good? Okay, let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for your word and help us to really digest it, to make sure that we are carrying it with us, that we are able to make snap judgments at a moment's notice, knowing that we have your guidance, your direction, your spirit that lives within us. And Father, we pray for the upcoming elections, that we would be able, both locally, statewide, and federally, uh, to vote as you would vote. You have given us this government. Uh, the only way we can lose that power to influence that government is to not participate. And I pray that not only all of us in here, Lord, but all of us in this church would be diligent, that we would take up the cause, so to speak, of doing what is right in your eyes. We thank you for the opportunity and the freedoms you have given us. Help us again to be diligent in maintaining those for the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen.